spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in Antarctica, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the natural products industry, kind of showing you what's real, what's not in the wellness space. I'm here with Dana. What's up, Dana? Hey, Neil. Hi. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was lovely. It was very quiet. Just me and my mom. You know, Lovely's what Erin to- said, too. She's like, it was a lovely Thanksgiving. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Much more it was lovely. Twas. My mom cooked dinner and it was amazing. She outdid herself. That's great. Yeah, we did something very subdued. I hope everybody else did. Um, I tell people, make sure that you do a 5K on Thanksgiving, not run because that's ridiculous. Uh, 5,000 calories, of course. Um, I got that done for all of you in case you didn't do that. Have you tried exercising? Like that is horrible. <laughs> I don't know why I keep <laughs> recommending people do that. <laughs> and I am sitting right next to a printer. So hopefully it's not being picked up uh, by really the mind. That's funny. Um, so anyway, the, I am going to do a brief episode here because we're going to record immediately following this with my epidemiologist friend, who's got a specialty in the vaccine supply chain. And he's been paying close attention to this whole thing. And he's going to, you know, bring his expertise to the table to speak a lot about our fears and apprehensions, but we're going to do so reasonably, of course, because we need a little bit more reason in the world today. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I think this is going to be a good episode or a couple of episodes. It sounds like I'm going to stretch it. I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to do like maybe (laughs) hour, hour and a half with them and then we'll turn it into two episodes. Then we only got a recap and then that's it. Then it's the end of the year, bro. So that's great. I'm excited. Are you sure it's not March? I'm pretty sure it's still March. Holy crap. I can't believe it's been nine freaking months. I know. So, and then with COVID, it's about to get real, yo. Like we're, Mm -hmm. we're seeing that leap in numbers that's happened over the past, like uh, two to three days. We'll probably continue as we catch up for our holiday reporting lapses. Right. And then in seven to 10 days, we're going to start to see that surge in cases that we all knew was coming that, uh, didn't really stop many people from doing what they weren't supposed to do and traveling and mixing with groups larger than 10, even though statistically, if you kept it at 10 or less, you were much less likely to transmit coronavirus. And I believe that the best word that I saw to describe what's coming is calamity. I think that is a very, very smart word. And that's what we're facing here, folks. It's an avoidable calamity that's at our doorstep. And so here's my advice because we can drone on and on. Everybody's already pissed off and worried about this whole thing. So three steps. Assume everyone has it. Second, make sure your bubble is just low risk folks and reduce that list of folks down to just the vital. So for me, it's my sister-in-law and her family and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. That's it. That's all we have. In fact, my Christmas, we normally get together with my grandmother and my uncle, but we're going to do that literally tomorrow because we don't want, we want to do it before all of this kind of chaos hits, you know, and we're going to be wearing yeah, and because because God hates me, I have a date on Saturday and, nice. uh, you know, we're going to hang out across the street from each other. And I don't know how we're supposed to go on from there, but yeah. we'll figure it out. I think there was a scene in the naked gun that is, uh, I'm being reminded of, I don't know. You can go back to that oh, movie. Yeah, the body size condoms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then the last piece, make sure you're wearing a mask all the time. I've actually 
added goggles to the mix when people come in the store and they've got that, like basically lace thongs on their face for a mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I throw on goggles before I even get near to them um, because I just, I think we have to do whatever we can to decrease the transmission here. So yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to note is I've been speaking to doctors and nurses and everybody just to get a read of the weather report. See, you know, how, how is it looking? People are starting to sweat, you know, even regionally. I spoke to somebody across the river, uh, infectious disease physician, and I was asking you about supplements. I said, you know, are you even using any of this stuff? And he said, yeah, actually, we're just throwing vitamin C and zinc at people and sometimes even vitamin D because we have nothing else. When mm. people get really sick right now, there's nothing that they can give them. It's pretty much steroids and then oxygen and that's it. And, you know, the the monoclonal antibodies and and all of that stuff, that's for early on in the infection and the remdesivir, that doesn't seem to be very strong at all. He actually used the adjective weak. So that stinks. So again, don't get this damn thing because you don't have a lot of options. So just a little note there that sick people aren't really getting these things that all these um, charlatans are talking about uh, are good for you to help out with COVID. You know, just they're just doing it because they're like, why not? That's all we can do is just kind of see what happens. And they're not giving big doses. It's like a gram twice a day of vitamin C, 30 milligrams of zinc, nothing major. So Wow. Sucks, right? <laughs> it is grim. So that's enough COVID talk for me for now. Um, let's go to weight. So on the weight front, I just want to say again, sugar is a vampire that you cannot let in the house, man. As soon as you let that rat bastard in, it just sucks your blood and just brings all <laughs> of its friends in. So don't let them in. So I did something funny on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. No, it's just not talking about COVID, but like I know I said I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but uh, I put it on Facebook and it was actually kind of funny because it was the hospitalizations over time and it showed how there was like three big waves here and like our hospitalizations are through the roof basically. But I realized my weight journey has been the same. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's really funny. So it's like well, I started out normal and then COVID comes and then there's a peak right in that first hospitalizations. That's when I got my fattest, right? And then I'm like, I got to do something. And then we started talking about it and it went down. And then the first holiday that comes up is 4th of July after that. And that was the first time that I actually had like an undisciplined diet and my weight went up and then it went down and then here comes my birthday. And like now we're in COVID land birthday, my kid's birthday, Thanksgiving, all of that stuff has caused my weight to go off the charts. So um, I just think that that was kind of funny and it was a good analogy. Uh, but, anyway, funny. but, you know, the reason that I talk about my weight and I'm continuing to do this isn't, you know, I'm not obese. I know that like I'm I struggle with my weight and. I struggle with it because it's like a mental game for me. And I feel like I can help shed some light on the thought processes or like behaviors that we all experience um, in our journey to become more disciplined. And so, you know, one of my thoughts is, is, well, why am I gaining weight during those like ebbs and flows? And, you know, it's the binge eating, of course, you know, my wife makes those cookies and I wreck the, the, the box. Um, <laughs> but most folks that know me know that I'm quite disciplined during the week. I have a very consistent, similar diet that's really well balanced and keeps me energetic throughout the day, but it's only like 1700, 1800 calories or something like that. It's the weekend where we get more social, right? So we do hang out with family and then, you know, we'll get takeout or something like that. And it ends up going off the rails. 
And mm-hmm. a lot of us have that mindset, like discipline during the week and then a little bit more relaxed. And in fact, there's a whole science behind this, the zigzag calorie method, because they know that's how people roll. So if you're supposed to be at 1800 calories a day, you could do 1800 every single day, but that doesn't account for those kinds of ebbs and flows, right? So they say, well, if you're at 1800, then let's do 1600 during the week and then maybe 22, 2400 on two days during the weekend, right? And that's a little mm-hmm. bit more realistic, totally supported. You know, it's not anything out of the ordinary, very fine, um, very fine young man. But anyway, the, uh, you know, the thing is like, we look at that as like 2,400 calories, man, that's going to be so much different eating than what I do during the week. And and that's the problem. We're, we're painting the picture incorrectly because an extra 400, 500, 600 calories is literally just an extra slice of pizza, maybe even half a slice of pizza. It might be an mm-hmm. extra serving of something, right? It's not a lot. And it's in our perception of what the calories are that ends up allowing us to slip so hard. So I just want everybody to kind of keep that in mind, right? So if we do have these like cheat days, the reason a lot of them don't work is because the cheat days turn into weekends, but the cheat days end up being, you know, two, 3000 calories over what they're supposed to do, which completely eradicates any gains for the week. So, you know, be realistic about what your intake is and, and, and what you need to maintain. Right. Um, and one thing I'll say is like, I have folks that are trying to lose weight. Of course. Um, some people are just trying to stay the same. Some people are trying to gain weight and they're not being very realistic about that either. So whatever your weight management need is, you usually have to track everything that you're taking in and be realistic about those extra days. So I think it'll help out a little bit. So, yeah, I think about all the protein somebody has to eat in order to put on muscle. Like I've had a few of my guy friends go through the process and it's just so much food. And as somebody who is always trying to lose weight, having to go in the other direction, I feel like would have to be just as hard because, you know, for me, when I'm like being very disciplined about eating and then I do let myself go off the rails a little bit, my stomach always hurts. And so I can just imagine somebody who's got a naturally high metabolism, who's used to eating like, you know, only a few hundred calories per meal, because that's all they really require. Mm -hmm. And then they're trying to force more protein in to build muscles. That's got to be just as painful. Right. It's a, it's a lot to kind of change those habits. And a lot of folks that are trying to gain weight just don't have the urge to eat. And maybe what we could do is we dedicate a whole time to like gaining weight. That, that'd that probably be helpful because I've got a lot of folks that ask for that. So maybe after the new year, that's what we can do. Hey, look at that. We just came up with an idea. Instead of weight I loss, we're going to do weight gain, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes the stars align. The stars have a line for us. So. Let's talk about this week's topic, the reference red flags. This was this week's article, and it was another one of those things where I just got set off and I just got, you know, the, you know, the stars aligned. I I got my motivation through anger, uh, which Mm. is a common theme in my life. Um, Basically, our community or countywide COVID group had a protocol shared to it. I wake up to seven direct messages from folks saying, is this real, legitimate? It says it's from doctors. It's got, you know, the the normal stuff, everything that we've been talking about, vitamin C and zinc and glutathione and all of this stuff. So it had all the trappings of this is, you know, nonsense. But again, mm-hmm. you, you sprinkle in some truthful stuff and it makes it seem valid. 
And, you know, they were even talking about ivermectin, which is like, you know, it's, it's this weird medication that has all these risks and side effects. And then people are like getting enthusiastic about it. And it's just so weird to me how many people are anti-medicine. They only want to use supplements, but then when these weird things come up, they just want to jump in both feet without even considering all the risks and side effects. Right. So anyway, I see this thing. And so I instantly I'm like, no, this isn't real. Like I'm reading everything I possibly can. I don't want to look like an idiot. So if I keep saying that these things don't work, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I have my references. So that way, if somebody's like, no, actually it does, you know, I don't look like a fool and like have to eat crow or, you know, put my foot in my mouth <laughs> or whatever. Course. Right. So I'm looking at literally everything, especially as it pertains to supplements. And so what I found out, and actually the gentleman that compiled it, he was nice because I was answering everybody saying, nope, this isn't real. This isn't real. This isn't based on anything. He reached out privately and he said, hey, I got this from a legitimate place and I kind of compiled it. What's up with that? And I I said, all right, well, they'll show me where you compiled it from. So he sent me this protocol thing that came from some institution and it listed out, it was like 40 pages. It was decent and it had a ton of references and everything like that. So what I noticed was that it would be very easy for someone to look at that and see it as legitimate just because of the weight of it. You know, it came from this medical institution and it was a protocol to be used by the facility and it was hefty and there was pages of references, right? So on first glance, we say, oh, wow, that looks substantial. So what I wanted to do is to teach folks can you do an equally superficial glance to see if any of that stuff is actually legitimate? And, and it, it, you know, I took three seconds to just look at the references around the supplements and found, yeah, no, none of this stuff is legitimate. It it, it was Mm -hmm. clear as day just by reading the titles. And so that's what I want to kind of speak to. All right. So the, this skill is important to have. We have to be able to do this stuff because misinformation is like widespread. Right. Um, so I just want to make sure that you guys know that I don't expect anybody to look at a, a packet of material and like comb through and then beat up the whole thing like a pharmacist should, you know, or like a healthcare care practitioner should. Um, it's kind of like with supplements. I want you to be able to look at a bottle, see the red flags and then walk away or like head for the hills. I don't want you to have to like dive in deep. So anyway, um, so the first thing is the protocol that was shared had no references at all. It didn't mention anything. So that should be a red flag for you to not trust or have much confidence in that, those recommendations, right? So that's the first thing. There's a number of logical fallacies, which is different than what I'm talking about, where, you know, it's an appeal to authority. Oh, well, this comes from doctors. This comes from somebody who, who, you know, is experienced and does this in the practice. So there's all of that stuff that's like going on, Um, you know. That is a whole other episode, I think, you know, like talking about logical fallacies and how we can't just because a doctor wrote it doesn't mean anything. You know, in -hmm. fact, my rant this month is going to be about the traders, the people that are medical professionals that are like turning their back on us, basically, and and pushing nonsense or saying that COVID isn't a big deal or, you know, any of that other stuff. So, you know, uh, just, be, just like because those guys in California totally. that had that for-profit clinic. Yeah. A-holes. And so I'm going to be talking about those guys. So, you know, that superficial stuff is obvious. So if there's no references, and again, I write stuff and I don't include a lot of references to my conclusions, but I'll gladly share them if anybody asks. And I always take an approach that, you know, this is, 
you know, there's, there's a way to do it is to kind of preface and say, there's not a lot of data or there is a good amount of data here, you know, and kind of be a reasonable, respectable professional, right. When you're talking about in, in an editorial manner and that's not what was happening here. This was being talked about as if it was gospel. And that was actually kind of one of the first things that I, I kind of pointed out is that if you see somebody say, this is the regimen that we're going to use. And the re- the article title is like, the mechanism of this thing, theoretical implications, like, could we potentially do that? And there was a number of articles there that was talking about just like models and, and situations and scenarios, but it clearly in the title said it was just speculative. So, you know, it's important that those kinds of papers exist where scientists get together and they say, Hey, look at all these things that I found in the literature or, or like, this is what I see. Could we explore this deeper? That's all it's saying. It's just saying, you know, this is something that's worthy of exploration, not this is what the protocol should be based on. And that's the disconnect is that, you know, in in the paper, the doctor or whomever was writing this said that we needed to use, I don't know, melatonin or whatever, because it's going to be helpful. But the references that he referenced were just theoretical things by like, it's just basically a bunch of nerds sitting in our room saying, you know, this might be an option, right? <laughs> So if you see things in the title of a reference, that's like, you know, this is in theory or, you know, potentially, uh, is this, this model could work. It's, it's clear that like, that shouldn't be something that we make our strong conclusions on. That's just something that like kind of gets our, our wheels spinning and then would require further study. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I saw was like, you know, and James Heathers talked about this, right. The in mice thing. Right. So, (laughs) you know, it's like every, every scientific journal and their mother shares whatever study that's out there. But if you read the title, it's like, yeah, um, melatonin cures COVID in mice. (laughs) Uh, Right. And like, in, you know, of course there's exceptions. Most of us though, aren't rodents. Uh, I think that there are a a couple differences and again, animal based studies are things that should not be used to like hang our hats on. It's just something that says, Hey, this is some good information that we have. We should check it out in humans and see what happens. Right. Um, Mm. the other thing is like along the same lines is like in vitro. If you see the words in vitro, uh, study, uh, or just in vitro in general, uh, that is a good indication that that's a bad reference for making conclusions as well. So in vitro means in a Petri dish, in a test tube, right? And and so that means it's not a human. We don't know what's going to happen when you put it in a complex body system. And I think we talked about one of these kinds of things in, in the past about Lyme disease, where stevia was uh, all of a sudden being promoted as a Lyme disease cure. Because in vitro, if you put stevia on Lyme disease, it dies. But guess what mm. else kills it? Salt water. <laughs> so it's not like going to the beach is going to get rid of your Lyme's disease. So the the idea here is that in vitro studies are again just a way for us to, to you know decide if there's a potential mechanism that's worth exploring in humans. So you know these these are like big red flags. Again, you can just look at the title and you can kind of make this decision. So one last thing that I'll kind of touch on is the idea of a retrospective study. And sometimes this stuff is highlighted in the title itself as, you know, a retrospective review of. And the best clinical data is when we set the intention at the onset and say, we want to test this thing in this group of people to determine if there's any effect, good or bad, right? And 
we can do these studies and then all of the data comes through at the end. And then we can say, okay, we have all this data. Let's look back and try to make some other assumptions based on this data that we found. And while that's good, it's reasonable. It's a bad place to make conclusions on because we won't be able to tease out some biases. And there's a lot of like statistic type stuff that we won't be able to kind of discern. And it's really not good from like a scientific method standpoint. So basically this protocol that was being shared was predominantly these three things. The original thing had no references. So that's the first thing. The study that it was based on was talking entirely about in vitro and in mice, right? That that was like 60% of the studies. Then a bunch of them were like these theoretical implications. So, oh, you know, in theory, this could do that. And, and that is not something that we should make any conclusions about. And then whatever was left was these retrospective studies. And so if you take all of these things together, and you look at, okay, so they have 20 references that were talking about supplements and COVID. And if literally 19 of them are guilty of these red flag things that we just talked about, then how much confidence can we have in those decisions, right? And so here's the thing, is that even in the packet itself, this thing that was made, the supplements themselves were not promoted as part of the protocol. It was put in a section that said potential alternatives or potential additives, right? So, hmm. so, and this is what's happened since day one with COVID is that we've had all of these folks uh, kind of like spitballing on what could happen. It's based on crappy data. And when you just scratch the surface just a little bit, you find that it's not even real. Like it's, it's not, it's not something that has like uh, the vitamin C stuff at the beginning was based on somebody just registering a trial. So they registered the trial, a potential trial in COVID using vitamin C IV six grams daily. That's all it said. That's all anybody had. And that was enough for people to start recommending it as a potential treatment option and see how much that stuck to all of our like lungs, you know, like we're all thinking, Hey, you know, this is, this is something that we should be doing. So does this make sense? Uh, like, or am I just rambling because I'm pissed <laughs> no, off at no, Facebook? I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm letting you talk. Sorry okay. for my oh, that's, silence. No, that's all right. I just, I'm like, am I, am I doing it again? But you know, like <laughs> when you see, when you see titles like immune boosting role of vitamins, DCE, zinc, selenium, and omega-3, could they help against COVID-19? So it's talking about these things, like what they do in the body and could they help? Like that literally is kind of shining a light and saying that we don't know. And they're just spitballing, right? So medicine is a practice. Okay. And we need, we need to remember that, that in the absence of good data, we have to use okay data. And in the absence of okay data, we're going to have to use some bad data, right? But that doesn't mean that bad data is going to radically change our protocols or recommendations that we give our patients. Okay. And as the information evolves, so should our practice right? The better the information, the more confident we can be in the recommendations that we're making. Or to put it another way, bad references should reduce our confidence in the recommendations. And that is what you should take away from it, listeners at home, is that if you see something that has no references or are violating one of these very simple three red flags, so they're uh, speculating in vitro or in mice or a retrospective study, those are things that should reduce your confidence in the recommendation. If they're not giving you any uh, references at all, you shouldn't 
do anything with that. That you just go, oh, okay, well, let me look into that further, right? And hmm. so depending on the frequency or context of recommendations that are based on BS references, that might even reduce your confidence in the recommender themselves, right? So, you know, we talked about Mercola and how he's failing people. And if you look at that dude's thread, constantly anti-science, poor references, uh, garbage stuff that he's referring to, we should have no confidence in what he's saying. That is a direct violation. He's one of the traitors, one of those that's violating the, the, the authority. We can't have that appeal to authority because we know that authorities can be flawed and be pushing their own agendas, right? So mm. poor data, again, it doesn't mean definitely no or definitely yes. It just means that we can't be as confident as we want to be. So we're, we want you to tell better stories. So before you go change, and cause this is what was happening. People are like, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to do like, don't change your regimen based on crappy information. You know, you're going to see infographics. You're going to see a meme. You're going to see protocols. Don't go changing up your entire lifelong wellness strategy because of some like offhand information. Um, you yeah. know, First, you got to figure out how confident you can be in these recommendations, and then you slowly incorporate it into that bigger plan, that supplement strategy that we talk about all the time. Um, and like I said, we had to do a quick podcast today, so I just wanted to kind of do that rant. So I don't know if you got anything you want to add right quick. <laughs> Uh, no, although what you were saying about how, um, like we're kind of working off bad data here, that just got me thinking about the latest article about the CDC changing their quarantine yeah. uh, requirements or whatever. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you get a chance to read that? Cause I haven't even read why they changed their opinion. So do it's you just, have an opinion on their idea? No, I think it's just, they're just decreasing. They're getting more information about how infectious people are at different times. So they're just kind of adjusting to that. So it's basically 10 days from positive, which isn't really different from what we were doing before, before it was like mm -hmm. 14 days from the start. So, um, okay. so I, I don't think it's a big deal that these things get more refined. You know, you may not be that contagious for that long, you know? Um, but I'm definitely, well, I'm definitely telling people like, if you come in contact with, you know, like my cousin actually got freaking COVID. She's 17. She works mm -hmm. with a bunch of kids at a gym and they didn't have the kids wear a mask. Great. Right. Ooh. So she got COVID. Nobody else is symptomatic, but now like everybody there has got a quarantine and then everybody in her house and her dad's house have to quarantine. Right. And I told them like, yeah, sure. 10 days from the positive if you want. But then I think the family should go about seven days out from that because you think if she's contagious for up to 10 days from positive, then, and they've been around her on day 10, that doesn't make sense for them to all of a sudden not. So, you know, it's really yeah. about your risk tolerance. There's no wrong answer, no right answer. It's really about what, what, you know, you're, um, good for now with that in mind, I have to tell people that I've had a number of complaints. Okay. Especially locally here, like a, the police department even freaking said something to me. Okay. So, from the get-go, my advice has been solid. I've been telling everybody, go out with your masks or even your gloves or your goggles on, right? Mm -hmm. But folks, you have to wear other clothes too. <laughs> oh, God, you, again, last so, week you warned me and I just completely <laughs> forgot. So this is how I know that if I decided to just be one of those charlatans, I could completely sell my soul and become a billionaire. They'd make a story on American Greed about me, I'm sure, because I could just <laughs> sell, I could just sell people and crap. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm just kidding. But um, 
Yes, please. You're getting me into trouble, folks. So make sure you wear your masks and your underwear and your pants, please. So. <laughs> All right. So thanks for the quick podcast, everybody. Until next time, I want you to stay home. And if you can't stay home, stay safe.